Uh, so my wife and I were at a camp in Wisconsin recently. And uh, we ended up getting back to the uh, Milwaukee airport four hours early. Um, and we like to get to airports early, but four hours is a bit early even for us. So we get there and we talk about it and like, look, we both got a lot of work to do. We both have our laptop computers. We're just going to go to a quiet, secluded part of Milwaukee Terminal Airport and just get some work done, right? Sounds like a great plan. Okay. So I pull out my laptop computer and all of a sudden I hear a cell phone ring. And in the secluded portion of the terminal, there's a guy not too far away answering his cell phone, which is on, of course, speaker mode. Okay. Um, and he starts to yell into his cell phone. Hi. Yeah, this is Bob. Hey, did you get that spreadsheet I sent? And I'm thinking, wait, are you talking to me? I go, uh, uh, no, Bob, I didn't get that spreadsheet. I'm not really interested in your spreadsheet. For the next 30 minutes, Bob yells into his cell phone in this quiet, secluded portion of Milwaukee Airport, right? Um, you know what they say? Silence is golden, but duct tape is silver, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, today we talk about silence from the book of Proverbs, the sound of silence. Now, Calvary has decided we all need to go to summer school. So to become more educated this summer, we've been looking at the book of Proverbs. Now, in Proverbs, God offers us words of wisdom. We would be wise to listen. Uh, Carlos started the series talking about laziness and then pride. Uh, two weeks ago, Charles talked about wisdom. And then last week, addiction. And when Charles spoke about wisdom, one of the topics he talked about was speech. Watch your mouth, right? Which actually sets us up really well this morning for the topic of silence. But let me just, I want to just say something a little bit about Carlos and Charles. These guys are amazing preachers who basically preach without notes. That's really hard to do. I, I'm going to be more tied to my notes, but you just want to say, what they do is amazing. This is maybe a little more normal, okay? I'm going to be tied to my notes here, okay? Before diving into Proverbs, though, I want to touch briefly about the prophet Elijah. In 1 Kings 19, this is right after Elijah had defeated the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, Queen Jezebel declared, I want to kill that prophet. So Elijah flees. He ends up hiding underneath a broom tree. God sent an angel to feed him and then lead Elijah into the wilderness near, the, um, to, near Mount Sinai. At this point in time, Elijah was depressed and almost suicidal. And that's when God met him. I'm going to read from 1 Kings 19, verses 11 and 12. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces. Now that's a serious wind, right? Before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. God revealed his power to Elijah in a tornado. 
in an earthquake and a fiery inferno. But somehow God wasn't present in any of those amazing manifestations of his glory. God finally spoke to Elijah in the sound of silence. We love the dramatic, but silence allows us to hear from God. Silence is golden. Now, normally when I teach the Bible, I like to focus on a passage, maybe five to 15 verses or so. I look at it in depth. That doesn't work as well in Proverbs because most Proverbs are not directly connected to the proverb that came before or the proverb that came afterwards. So this morning, I'm going to be looking at six Proverbs scattered around the book of Proverbs, all on the topic of silence. Silence is a big theme in Proverbs starting with Proverbs 10, verse 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Okay, so according to this proverb, there's a correlation between the number of words spoken and how much sin is committed. So those of you guys who love graphs, we can put this on a simple XY axis, right? The more talking, the more transgression, right? Have you ever noticed how many sins are connected to speech? Gossip, deception, insults, verbal abuse, argumentativeness, pride, The more we talk, the more likely we are to commit those types of sins. So the person that restrains their lips is prudent, is wise. The book of James warns us that the tongue does great damage. And it's hard to tame. But our lips are almost like a cage for the tongue. There we go. Like a muzzle. Proverbs is telling us it's wise to zip your lip. How many of you guys have said something and later deeply regretted it, right? I mean, come on, let's be honest here. Yeah, almost all of us. Sometimes humans need muzzles. Let's, going back to the graph, let's try to stay on the left side, right? This is where a spouse or a friend can help us. After a meeting, I often ask my wife, Shannon, uh, hey, did I talk too much? She often says, well, maybe. <laughs> okay. Sometime this next week, ask a, a, a friend or a spouse, hey, did I talk too much? Parents should say that to children more often. Amen, kids? Yeah? Okay. Proverbs 11, verse 12. Let's look at the next one. The one who belittles a neighbor lacks sense, but an intelligent person remains silent. So now this, this proverb's not talking about good-natured teasing, but serious sins of insulting or showing contempt for someone. Why do, why do we insult people? Well, there's a lot of reasons we might do this. It's possible we just feel insecure about somebody. 
But more likely, we want to insult someone after we have been insulted or we have been falsely accused of something. We really want to retaliate. And that's understandable. That's natural, right? But God's word here says, insulting a person made in the image of God is always wrong, even when they have insulted us. After my book, God Behaving Badly, came out, Scott McKnight, he's a New Testament scholar, he reviewed it on his blog. Now, Scott's blog has literally thousands of readers. One of them, a guy named Tim, posted a comment saying that after reading Lamb's book, you will want to smash your head repeatedly against the wall until you become unconscious. <laughs> wow, I, I guess he didn't really like my book. Yes, you, you think it's funny, right? It wasn't funny for me, right? It was, this was brutal. In my anger, I started composing a reply. But you know what? Fortunately, God interrupted me. An intelligent person remains silent. So I was silent. And in my silence, it felt like God spoke to me. And this is what I think God told me to say to Tim. Tim, sorry you didn't find the book helpful. Perhaps books by Chris Wright, Paul Copen, or Eric Seibert, they're my competition, um, might do a better job for you. Thanks for your honesty. That was hard to do. But when we are tempted to insult someone, an intelligent person remains silent. In the comments to Scott's blog the next day, Tim apologized. We experienced blogosphere reconciliation. It doesn't happen very often. Proverbs 17, verse 1. Better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Okay, so this proverb is describing two meals. One is like a Thanksgiving feast, right? And the other is, it's kind of like a, a camping trip where you forgot all the food, but you have granola bars, right? I mean, have you guys done something like that? Now, most of us would say, hey, sign me up for the Thanksgiving feast, not the, the camping fast over here. But wait, the Thanksgiving feast comes with strife, tension, and conflict. A situation that, unfortunately, many of us might find a little bit too familiar at Thanksgiving, right? The camping trip comes with silence and peace and quiet. As wonderful as that feast is, the wise person is going to choose the camping trip with silence and granola bars. I mean, come on, right? Silence is golden. Over 30 years ago, I uh, went to a spiritual retreat at a Benedictine monastery, okay? At breakfast and at dinner, we could talk, but lunch was silent. And to be honest, at the monastery, the food was pretty simple, not much more than a dry morsel. And at first I thought, okay, this lunch in silence thing is really boring, right? I actually liked to talk to the monks. 
Uh, so how did you decide to become a monk? It was, it was really fascinating to hear their backstories. But by the end, I ended up really appreciating those meals in silence, the peace, the quiet. By the end of the retreat, I had this time to think, to pray, and to hear from God, like Elijah and the sound of silence. Eat a meal this week and let God speak to you. Eat a meal in silence this week and let God speak to you. Bonus points if you do it with a friend. Try that, okay? Proverbs 17, verse 28. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Some of you guys remember, Charles mentioned this one a couple of weeks ago, um, but this is a good one and it's worth repeating, right? If you are in a situation where you lack knowledge, you lack information, if you're wise, you're just going to keep your mouth closed like a muzzle. Why do we do that? Well, to listen, to learn, and maybe this time we're going to think before we speak, right? That's, that's, a, that's a challenge, a new concept for some of us, maybe for me often. Think before I speak. In the world that we live in today, we tend to overvalue talkative people and undervalue silent people. When I was in college, I was on a student leadership team for the campus fellowship that I was a part of. The first year on the team, I never, ever spoke. Everyone else on the team liked to talk. I was contentious to, to listen and learn. Now, what made it hard, though, was everyone assumed, because of my silence, that I wasn't engaged. I wasn't really following along. Now, they never called me a fool, at least not to my face. But they assumed that my role as a listener was not as important as their role as, roles as speakers. It hurt that my silence wasn't valued. The book of Proverbs values silence. Some of you may have been in situations like I was in on this leadership team where you were silence. You were silent and your silence isn't valued. Proverbs values silence. Just because someone is silent doesn't mean they aren't engaged, they aren't learning, they aren't listening. If you're in a context where you are one of the talkers, ask one of the silent people what they're thinking. You may learn something. Now, before I read the next proverb, I want to talk just a little bit about Facebook, specifically discussing controversial subjects on Facebook. Now, I think a lot of us assume, and I've, I've done this too, okay? We assume that we're going to change people's perspective on Facebook, right? This is how it's supposed to go. Um, <laughs> one person makes a, a provocative political statement, and the opposing person says, wow, I have never heard that before. You are right. I am wrong. Please tell me more about your perspective so that I can be enlightened from your wisdom, right? That's what sort of we envision it happening, <laughs> Well, if this is what we expect on Facebook, I've got bad news. <laughs> that never, ever happens, right? But the good news is there's a proverb here that's relevant. Proverbs 29, verse 9. 
If a wise man has an argument with a fool, the fool only rages and laughs and there is no quiet. Now in Proverbs, the wise are normally the good guys. But in this proverb, a wise person gets sucked into an argument with a fool who rages and laughs and there's no silence. Now, if you are like me, there's at least one person in your life that you get sucked into foolish arguments with. For me, it's a member of my family and the topic is, wait for it, politics. Yes, you guessed it. These arguments have been some of the most volatile ones in my life. Each time I think he needs to listen to me so that I can enlighten him, right? And you know, curiously, he thinks the same thing about me. This family member and I have always been close. But these arguments were tearing us apart. Fortunately, the last few years, we've become a little wiser and avoided these subjects, which has been deeply healing for our relationship. The wise person avoids foolish arguments and probably politics on Facebook and is blessed with silence. The sixth proverb, Proverbs 29, verse 20. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There's more hope for a fool than for him. So what does it mean to be hasty in our words? I think we could paraphrase that by saying, quick to speak, slow to listen. Uh, or maybe to think about it more graphically, having a big mouth and small ears, right? Big mouth, small ears. The book of James commands the opposite. James tells us to be slow to speak and quick to listen. So James wants us to have a small mouth and big ears, right? Small mouth, big ears. In Proverbs, the fools are normally the bad guys. But this proverb says a fool has a more optimistic future than a person who is quick to speak and slow to listen. People who talk a lot don't usually listen well. My mother loved to ask questions. She had big ears. Now, I grew up in a college town, Ames, Iowa, and our church, we always had a lot of international students from Iowa State University nearby. So my mom would invite students over to our home. We had students from China, from Uganda, from Brazil, and they would come to lunch at our house after church. Mom would ask questions. Our guests would tell stories. It delayed my watching Sunday afternoon football. But you know what? I received an education about the world and I learned a lot about asking questions from my mom. Sometimes though, after mom left, uh, after the guest left, my mom would say, he talked too much. <laughs> he talked too much. She said that's a lot. Okay. My mom was curious, compassionate, and caring. But one thing she couldn't stand was a person who loved to talk and couldn't listen to others. The book of Proverbs would agree. Mom was a wise woman. Now at this point, you might be wondering, does Dave really think all talking is bad? No. With our words, we can bless, we can encourage, we can teach others. 
I like how the third chapter of Ecclesiastes puts it. This is Ecclesiastes 3, verse 7. There's a time to keep silent and a time to speak. See, the Bible doesn't say all talking is the problem, period. The problem is talking too much, talking inappropriately, or talking when we should be listening to others or listening to God. As we strive to find silence in our lives, we're going to encounter at least two obstacles. One is the pervasiveness of noise. We live in a world of noise. All that noise, 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 noise. Yeah, there we go. I sound like the Grinch, right? All that noise. Traffic, TVs, loud speakers, people talking all the time, people yelling into their cell phones at airports, speakers like Dave, right? People seriously tell me, people tell me I'm the loudest person they know. Okay, I've got a really loud voice. I would be fine without amplification here, yeah. We bring our noise with us even when we go outside. People walk, they run, they bike, they drive with earbuds, pumping noise into our ears wherever we go. To reduce noise, I use noise-canceling earmuffs. No batteries on these things. It's just no wires. It's just silence. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. I also like to spend time in nature. Less noise. Easier to hear from God and his creation. So if you don't like earmuffs, go outside. Listen to God and God's creation. The second obstacle is our fear of silence. Silence, we, we often speak of an awkward silence, right, in a conversation. Um, silence is something to avoid, something that needs to get filled. So we fill any gaps where we might uh, reach silence. We fill any gaps with sound, with words, with music, with podcasts, with audiobooks. And just to be clear, all of those are great things in their time and in their place. But there is a problem when silence is eliminated from our life. Proverbs tells us not to fear silence, but to embrace it. I have a close friend who's an introvert. And for a long time when I was with this person, I would work hard to fill the space by talking and by asking questions. I was literally afraid of the silence. But more recently, when I've been with this person, I stopped fearing the silence. I embraced it. I let the silence linger. And guess what happened? He started talking, right? This other person started talking more. By my constant talking, I left no room for them to speak. Embrace silence. Why is silence golden? Well, it's hard to listen when you're talking. It's easy to listen when you're silent. It's hard to hear from God with all that noise, 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 noise. But it's easy to hear from God in silence, like Elijah. We need the sound of silence to listen to others and to listen to God. 
Over 10 years ago, I had damaged vocal cords, which reduced my ability. I literally had to limit how much I was speaking. Now, God eventually healed me later on. But a few years later, after I was healed, um, I was not permitted to speak for three hours. My wife forbade me, and I always do what she tells me, right? That's wise, right? Come on. No, actually, Shannon was teaching in the gathering. That's, a, that's our ABF, our, our Sunday school class here at, uh, at Calvary. She had been leading a series of lessons on spiritual disciplines. And that Sunday, the focus was silence. Our class met uh, for the first hour from 9 to 10. Um, so she gave the class a challenge to be silent for three hours, which included the break after our class and the next service, the drive home, and then lunch. Ten to one, silence. Oh, we could sing during worship. So after our class, I walked around silently in the lobby, dreaded, I dreaded seeing somebody I know. But Shannon thought about this in advance, and she gave us a card that says, um, we are practicing the spiritual discipline of silence. We showed that to people, okay. I bumped into my friend Tony in the lobby that day. Suddenly he got really worried when he saw me not talking. He says, Dave, are you okay? I showed him the card. He's like, well, Dave, I, th I thought you were, thought you, you know, had damaged vocal cords again. I was, I mean, I was, because he knew it was pretty bad for me a couple of years earlier. I wrote down, voluntary silence this time. As I walked around the church, voluntarily choosing not to speak, I just need to say, it was awkward. Okay, I gotta just say that. But I was grateful not only for God healing my voice a few years earlier, but also grateful for the, act, uh, the, the opportunity to actively listen to my friends and to my family and to my God. Now, if you aren't convinced about the importance of silence, perhaps reflecting on the role silence plays in our salvation might help. The book of Isaiah speaks prophetically about Jesus as the silent, suffering servant in Isaiah chapter 53. This is Isaiah 53, verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. During Jesus' three-year ministry, he talked a lot. He talked crowds, he told stories, he asked questions. But right before his death, when he was before the council, and they asked him who he was, Mark 14 tells us Jesus was silent and he did not answer. He thus fulfilled Isaiah 53. Now, if there was ever a person who had a legitimate reason to speak. It was Jesus in this situation. He was insulted. He was falsely accused. He was the son of God. He was the word of God incarnate. Jesus might have avoided the cross if he chose to speak, but he was silent on the way to his own slaughter. Because of Jesus' silence, we are healed. Silence is golden. Praise God. Now, some, some of you may think giving a sermon on silence is a bit ironic, right? You all have been sitting here in silence for 30 minutes, 
Well, and I've been talking, telling you guys to be silent, even though you already are. Okay, well, I'm going to stop talking now, and I'm going to give you a couple minutes of silence. We're going to spend two minutes in silence, listening to God, reflecting on these Proverbs, keeping silent before him in his holy temple. Ask God to speak. Two minutes of silence. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the world keep silent before him. God, we thank you for the gift of silence. God, we live in noisy, crazy, hectic worlds. Help us to embrace silence. We want to hear from you, Jesus. Speak to us, Jesus, in the sound of silence. In Jesus' name, amen.